0: What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this episode of TFTC. Getting the studio finally put together and sitting down the set that, that, that we have here. I, I think it's going to produce some good content. We're stepping it up here at TFTC, freaks. <sighs> trying, trying to make something legitimate, you know? Doing our best. This rip is brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchain Capital is here to bring you financial services that leverage Bitcoin's native properties. Uh, They have their vault product, which is a two or three multi sig quorum, which you hold two keys. Unchain holds one key. Always have complete control of your Bitcoin if you have your two keys. If you're ever in a pinch, Unchain is there to be the second in the two or three multi sig quorum Uh, to to. Make sure that you can move your Bitcoin. They've open-sourced that Bolt product solution via Caravan. They're contributing to Bitcoin open-source community and projects. They've got a R I R A IRA. Not IRA. RIA. IRA? IRA. It's IRA. They've got an IRA product as well. You can roll over your, uh, your IRA into bitcoin uh, and do it in a way where you actually control the keys of of your bitcoin that you hold in your ira which is very important and they've got their lending platform which allows you to use bitcoin as collateral to get us dollar same day liquidity and they're building out more more products every day they have a white glove con share service will take you from zero to having a multi-state collaborative custody vault set up you tell them the tftc sent you you're going to get 50 dollars off that package that package includes multiple video conference calls uh, they're going to send you hardware wallets and then they're going to dump a 1,000 cuck bucks worth of sats into your bolt once you have it set up. Go check everything they have going on at unchained.com. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. It's Brains. they the team behind Slush Pool, which is the oldest and longest running mining pool in Bitcoin's existence. They are also the team behind Brains OS Plus Firmware, which... If downloaded on a compatible ASIC, is going to help you stack more sats with your hash. It's a beautiful thing. If you have an ASIC that is Brains OS Plus firmware compatible and you're not running Brains OS Plus firmware, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. The Brains team is also here to get you wise on everything going on in the... Bitcoin mining space, whether it be via their blog, which puts out incredible content. They just dropped a piece on Paraguay today that I highly recommend you freaks check out. Uh, On top of that, they have a data page, insights, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot brains. Again, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com, which is going to give you all the data you need on the state of the mining industry, profitability of individual machines and pool data, hash rate, difficulty, all that. And more. I go to brains.com to check out all this. This rope is also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a lending platform that requires no KYC, no AML, and it's peer to peer. What you do is you go to lend.hoddlehoddle.com. And if you're a Bitcoiner who's looking for liquidity, you don't want a tax event, uh, but you need to spend, uh, you need liquidity, uh, and you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, you put your Bitcoin up in a two or three multi sig escrow account, you hold one key, your counterparty in the trade holds one key and then HODL HODL holds third key. You do not have control over your Bitcoin in this. However, since you do hold one key, you have visibility into the collateral multi-sig address. Or the wallet, excuse me, which allows you to ensure that uh, as throughout the duration of your loan, your SATs are not going to be rehypothecated. so if you're paying back your loan, you're going to get your SATs back at the end of the day. you know it's in the escrow multi-sig wallet. Uh, You put your Bitcoin up as collateral, you get stable coins in return. uh, And again, you pay back in stable coins. If you're a a stable coin guy or gal and you want to get yield on your stable coins, you're not doing anything with them, this is how you do it. You go to lend.huddlehuddle.com and you put your stable coins up to be lent out on the other side of that marketplace. Go to lend.huddlehuddle.com. Check all this out. No KYC, no AML. Leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties, peer-to-peer. It's a beautiful thing to see. Okay. Last but not least, this rip is brought to you by good friends at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. We are two weeks, two and a half, three weeks away. We're getting close, freaks. All right. Biggest conference in the world ever. Ever. Bigger than Live Aid and the World's Fair combined. And it's going to be cooler. Much cooler. There's a bunch of Bitcoin stuff going on. They're releasing... The schedule—they're—they're they're slow dripping it. Um, your boy Uncle Marty is. We're Matt and I are going to be doing a live RHR on the open source stage. I'm going to be on a mining panel. Is ESG an attack on Bitcoin? You're going to have other influential—I uh, should not refer to myself as influential. You're going to have other Bitcoiners, uh, CEOs in the space, uh, people building apps. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful experience in miami south beach april 6th to 9th first day is industry day if you want to bump elbows with people in the industry you go to that day day two and three are general conference days again many stages many talks many panels many demonstrations day six and seven or excuse me uh that's the seventh and the eighth Days two and three of the conference And then day four on the ninth you have uh, a music festival logic's going to be there deadmau Mouse is going to be there. Steve Aoki is going to be there. Run the Jewels is going to be there. It's going to be a beautiful day. They got comedy as well coming to the conference. Go to b.tc slash conference if you have not bought your tickets yet. Use the code TFTC for 10% off. TFTC for 10% off. b.tc slash conference. Get the tickets while they're still available. And I'm sure they're going to be going up between now and the beginning of the conference. Um, reminder too, if you want to Uh, take part in the fountain.fm contest that's going on right now. Download the app. Listen to a rip on that app. You're going to get 1,000 sats deposited into your fountain app. Uh, Account within 24 hours and then one of you lucky freaks is going to get 50,000 sats. Uh, This is running through March 31st. Listen to this episode. Enjoy. Take care.
1: How's your Monday going, John? It's going, uh, it's going relatively good, but I had to deal with a lot of Fiat shit this morning. So I've got that out of my way, so I'm like a little bit brighter now. Got a little walk in the sunshine coming in here, so it's getting better.
0: Having to deal with Fiat shit is never fun.
1: No, it's not. It's like terrible. It's uh, I'm, this this crazy stuff seems to be happening to me. It's weird, actually. Well, we can chat about this further down the road as well. But I'm trying to sell uh real estate in Ireland and just moving to Austin now as well and trying to like, you know, buy furniture and buy TVs and stuff without a us based credit card and just have an account shut down and people refusing to sell you stuff. It's like literally like outside the financial system and I'm only like Irish Canadian. So it's like, this is, this is weird. I'm learning this firsthand that it's like, things are not, things are not easy. No, especially when you have the path
0: that you've had. I mean, you just alluded to it. You're Irish Canadian living in Austin Yeah. How the hell did you end up in Austin? And how did, you've got an Irish accent, obviously. Yeah. How did the Canadian part of uh, your background come in as well?
1: Right, yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously I'm Irish, born, raised in Ireland, lived pretty much most of my life there. Um, And then ended up going to Canada because I just like started skiing all the time. I really loved skiing. And I was a freelancer contractor. So all I needed was like laptop and internet connection. So it got to the stage where I was like, We don't have any ski resorts in Ireland, obviously. So I was going on these like, you know, ski holidays with friends from Ireland to like, you know, Switzerland, France, Austria, like every year. Then it got to the stage where I was doing two a year and then three a year. And I was like, this is crazy expensive. Like I should just like pack up and go live in a ski resort somewhere. So I made it to Canada, Um, ended up in Whistler, which I don't know if you've heard of it, but like one of the biggest, probably the biggest ski resort in North America, at least. Um, Really amazing place. Um, And the plan was to go... I actually had a work visa for New Zealand. and The plan was to leave Whistler and go follow, like, chase the snow season and go down to New Zealand, do a season there, and then maybe Japan after, all that kind of stuff. But a couple of friends in in Canada convinced me to stay for the summer and try mountain biking. And I'd done a bit of mountain biking in Ireland like the year or two before I left. Um, And just, like absolutely fell in love with mountain biking all over again in in whistler because they got like the biggest downhill mountain bike park and amazing trails all throughout that whole like corridor from like vancouver squamish like whistler all the way into pemberton just amazing biking um so yeah summer rolled into winter rolled into summer rolled into winter and like 12 (laughs) years later i was just like lifting my head going oh my god i'm living under a dictator i gotta get out of here (laughs) so so i left and crossed the border like Couple of days before the the crazy vax mandates came in, and um, and yeah, Bitcoin Twitter was telling me to to go to Austin, and so I landed in Austin. Why were you listening to Bitcoin Twitter? I don't know. Those crazy guys is just like I don't know, but I, it was funny because like living up in the mountains in Whistler, like you've no, there, there wasn't any like Bitcoin meetup, there wasn't any Bitcoin connections. It was like just Bitcoin Twitter was my only connection to Bitcoin. And like, obviously I'd started working on Zapride and stuff and had a startup, so I was getting like very interested in it. Um, and now it's just weird that I'm like down here in the middle of, you know, the center of the Bitcoin universe of the world. Like, it's pretty amazing that like, it's, it's amazing what being around Bitcoin it does in real life. Just having conversations face to face with people and, you know, working in Pleb Lab and, you know, having other developers and stuff around you. Like, it's really, really cool. So yeah, it's weird having that transition from like being cocooned on my own up in the mountains in Canada and then just like landing down in the city in Austin and being like, oh my God, there's this big, amazing like Bitcoin community going on everywhere. So that was pretty wild.
0: Yeah, no, it is pretty. I mean, I, I moved to Austin probably right around the same time that you did.
1: Yeah, about six or seven months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is true. Everything you just said, it's so much better being in person with Bitcoin. I was on my yeah. little island in South Jersey and... Yeah, there were some Bitcoiners that would come and go but you never had the type of experience that you have here around such a mind share. Yeah. Like before you even got down here let's talk a little bit about your experience which I think is extremely cool. Like how did you get into Bitcoin in the first place? So you're a freelancer did you get introduced to
1: via freelancing and like getting paid um, from... So I'll go all the way back to the start. It's embarrassing but uh, not too embarrassing but it's kind of half funny. I'll tell that story. So I found Bitcoin in 2013. Um, I really, really wish I could remember where it was, but it was definitely reading some article online. Um, And obviously got interested in it because I'm a tech guy, web developer, like designer. Like I kind of was very interested in it as soon as I read about it. So I started doing a little bit of research and this was maybe the middle of 2013. Uh, Maybe like kind of like August, September, maybe a little bit later. Um, and there was this website in Canada that let you buy Bitcoin with your debit card. It was crazy because like there was really no other options, but I found this awesome website. I think it was called QuickBT and it would allow you to buy Bitcoin just with your debit card. But it was restricted, I think, to like $25 or $50, like every 24 hours or something like that. So I just said, oh, I'll try this thing out. So I downloaded Bitcoin Core. was running like, you know, full copy of the blockchain. It was like, this is really weird. Why have to download gigabytes and gigabytes of data? This seems like really crazy. But like, you know, I'll investigate. And there was no like, you know, proper like wallet software and stuff like that as well. So you're literally like writing down your private key, like character by character, making sure you get uppercase, (laughs) lowercase, all that kind of stuff. Um, And... Yeah, so I just started buying like my $25 or $50, whatever it was, like every 24 hours, waiting for 24 hours a clock by, going back in again. If I hadn't been smart enough, I would have just like cleared cookies and changed browsers and like just kept <laughs> repeat buying every 10 minutes. But um, I was really just trying to like try it out and see what it was all about. Um, and eventually, and this is the embarrassing part, eventually after like maybe like a couple of weeks or a month of like buying Bitcoin, the the Mt. Gox run up like in 2013 must have started happening and I started seeing I was getting like less and less sats for my like $50 so I was like what's going on here like this, I'm getting less money because I thought you know that phrase like I'm in it for the tech yeah that was it. I was in it for the tech. I was like, this is really cool. It's like internet money. It's like pegged to the dollar somehow. I can use it way easier than a credit card. I can buy things. And then I was like getting less and less from this like website. And I was like, ah, oh, this is a scam. I'm out of here. <laughs> totally, totally didn't understand like number go up technology or economics or anything. Like I was just, and that's obviously a fault of like the education system. Like we all were in that position where we just don't know any of this stuff. Um. So yeah, anyway, that was kind of a long-winded way of saying like, that's how I found it. Left it in 2013 came back a little bit in 2016. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I think I must've read another article. And I was like, yeah, I got some of that Bitcoin stuff from years ago, like I found it. And then again, naivety, I was like, oh, this is, I shouldn't be like looking after this myself. This is really risky. I should probably like put it somewhere. So like I Googled and found Coinbase and swept the wallet and put it into Coinbase. And, <laughs> and I was like completely going the opposite of like what I should be doing. And then of course, like you know, as soon as I got into Coinbase, I saw like Coin, Ethereum and everything else and just like went on a shopping spree and and got wrecked on, you know, 2017 ICOs and everything else and got completely obliterated and wiped out um, in 2018. And then that's when I really started like looking deeper into it and really understanding what Bitcoin was um, and and the value of it. Uh, And then maybe like about a year later, this is where I was kind of thinking to myself, like I really want to do something in Bitcoin. I want to get into the space. Like I want to, like, try and contribute. But, like, I wasn't, like, a hardcore coder. I couldn't, like, you know, you know, look at PRs and go through, like, the Bitcoin code itself. So I was trying to find stuff, and I was maybe trying different startup ideas and things. And then, eventually, I just kind of thought, well, I'm a bull Bitcoin customer. And, like, I use their site all the time to, like, buy Bitcoin. But at the time, I thought, like, being a designer, like, their website, like, it's terrible. <laughs> so I basically, like... Spent a weekend doing up a whole like Adobe XD, like UI mockup and prototype and like basically just like jumped into Francis DMs and said like, hey, long time customer, love you, love your service, but like your website needs a hell of a lot of work. Here's something I worked on over the weekend. And he was just like, oh, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, let's, let's chat. And then, so I actually got a job as a freelancer doing that. And then I had to like invoice and get paid in Bitcoin. And I was like, all right, well, how do I do this? And trying to run BTC pay server. And base server was awesome, but I was like running one of the first like Casa nodes or something out there. And I was trying to like get it up and running and expose URLs and create like store URLs and stuff. And even I just didn't really know what I was doing. So um, eventually I kind of left that and then just started using my cloud invoicing software and putting on the bottom of the invoices, like if you want to pay me in Bitcoin, like hit me up, I'll like, we'll make it happen. Yeah. And then about a month later, they just sent a blanket email out to everybody saying, if we catch you with anything to do with crypto or Bitcoin on your invoices, we're just gonna like ban you and shut your account and close you down. It's so fucked up. It's fucked up. Yes, but that was the 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 kind of final straw then, where I just said like, all right, fuck it, I gotta build something myself. This is so how Zaprite came to be. That's how Zaprite came to be. That's the that's like the kind of long winded way of how I got to where I was like, right, like I need a tool. I'm just gonna build it for myself. And that's where it started. What
0: so, as somebody who's a contractor working remote and sending out a lot of invoices, like what are like when it is particularly when it comes to Bitcoin invoices, what are like the biggest pain points? Like when you're at bull Bitcoin trying to do this, obviously you mentioned BTC pay server, but what are like some of the things that freelancers run into when they're trying to invoice and collect money?
1: Um, Well, there's a couple of really like just really basic things. Like if you're, Sending like most of your work that you're going to do is still going to be denominated in fiat. If you can get it denominated in Bitcoin and sign like a year long contract or something, then you're winning, like because number go up, right? You're just going to get the same like Bitcoin as the price goes up. So that's like kind of great. But most people are going to denominate in fiat. So, um, let's say you're sending an invoice for like a thousand dollars to somebody, like you charge a hundred dollars an hour, you do like 10 hours work, you send them a, an invoice for a thousand dollars. Um, You send it to them and then like, you know, how do they know how much Bitcoin to pay? Are they just going to like go to some website and like check the price and go do their calculations and go, okay, this is it and then pay it. But, you know, if that happens immediately, then okay, great, like you're probably fine with that. But what happens if it's like, you know, net 30 or net 45 or net 60, you don't know when you're going to get paid. So you just can't really be relying on the the payer to do all that kind of stuff. Um, So at a very basic level, you just needed some kind of tool that is able to just like, take an immediate live price when someone goes to pay it and generate the QR code and do the payment. Um, And then the secondary part of that is actually just like stamping the transaction into some kind of like database or account so that you can actually start going through it and and seeing what your cost basis is so that in the future you can like do your accounting and your tax returns. Nobody likes paying tax, but we got to do it. And part of that when you're earning Bitcoin is you've got to have a cost basis for your earnings. So you don't have to go to the tax man and say like, oh, I took in this much Bitcoin and these are the addresses I have and these are the like transaction IDs. But you got to be able to say like, you know, I earned $100,000 this year or I earned $50,000 this year and pay your tax on it. So you got to have that USD or whatever the fiat denomination is recorded as well. So, you know, that just makes your life easier in the future. So that's kind of the MVP of Bitcoin was launched with those kind of basic features in mind. Um, and then obviously like there's just so much more we can expand on, on top of that, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, let's focus on the basic features first. Like, how do you make it happen in ZapRite? Like, How do you uh, get, like, an, like are you guys hosting your own wallet or letting people dump in their own XPUBs? I mean, I know yeah. some of the answers to these questions, but for the yeah, sake yeah. of the audience. Uh,
1: for sure. So, um, like, I'm absolute, like, hardcore Bitcoin self-custody maximalist. Like, I don't want to have any funds for customers I don't want to host anything I don't want to run wallets I don't want that regulatory nightmare I don't want that headache um, and I want to just like you know teach people to self-custody and part of that is like we're not going to provide you with a wallet you've got to come to ZapRite with your own wallet so right now what happens is when you create an invoice there's just a field in there there's like multiple different ways you can get paid like uh, on chain lightning liquid Uh, We got strike in there added recently so you can connect all these things in the back end and then as when you're creating an invoice you can say like well i want to receive on-chain payments for this and it'll just show you a field and say paste in receiving address now eventually we'll get Xpub in there as part of the whole accounting system and stuff but right now you just paste in an individual address um and then you've got your standard kind of like line items and things like that for for creating an invoice um And then you fire it off and your client gets a nice professional email and says, you know, is requesting like, you know, $1,000 for this invoice. Um, Click here to review it and pay it. So whenever they get to do that, like I said, whether it's net 30 or net 60 or instantly, whatever it is, uh, they get like, they get a link then and they open up this hosted branded, like you can brand it with all your own like TFTC or whatever it is, like branding that you want to put on it. Um, So they see this nice like, Beautifully designed, branded, like hosted payment page. Um, and when they go to pay, then we just do a quick like live check of the price and then take your, like do the calculation for the amount of BTC, take your Bitcoin address, show the QR code, and then that's it. Or, or if it's Lightning, if you've connected your own uh, Lightning node, like we allow people to connect directly to their Umbral or node or anything like that through Bits, So they can just put in their Tor address and like invoice read-only key. So we just get access to basically ping their node and generate receive invoices. So that's how we can get lightning, like self custody straight to their node. Um, And then strike as well. If you've got a strike account, you can just literally plug in your handle, click connect, and then we'll generate all the lightning uh, QR codes from that. Um, So it's the same kind of idea. It's like you have to connect your own accounts. We don't want to do any kind of custodial stuff at all, which is why we don't ask for any KYC or anything like that. so yeah, everything's basically just kind of doing on the fly, calculating live prices, generating QR codes, and then when the payments are made, just like watching mempools, doing all that, and then firing off uh, transactional emails.
0: Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And as somebody in the space who invoices for Bitcoin, I've been using BTC Pay Server for this to date. And it's been serviceable, but again, uh, I think the uh, I think what you're building at Zap, right is... Extremely interesting and useful due to just like the suite of products and the UI specifically that, that makes it like easy, intuitive. Yeah. Um and and communicates with you. And you're even working to like integrate BTC Pay Server into yeah, this as well.
1: Absolutely. Like BTC BTC Pay Server is amazing. Um, as is like OpenNode, all these other products. Like they're really good products. Um, but I think where the difference with ZapRite is, you know, on one end you've got, you know. BTC pay server, which is like, like I said, it's amazing, but it's very technical. You need to be running a node. You need to know what you're doing to set it up. So, you know, let's be honest, like right now, the vast majority of people are not going to do that. If things get easier in the future, obviously, where everyone's running their own node, great. But like right now, um, that's only a small subset of people. And then on the far end of the scale, you've got something like OpenNode. Again, OpenNode's a great product, but it's like full KYC, full custodial, like charges 1%, like all that stuff. So... ZapRite kind of sits in the middle, where like we'll allow you to connect to third parties like Strike if you've done your KYC there, or maybe you want to connect to Voltage to split up a Lightning node so you don't have to run it yourself, or maybe you just want to like put in like a hot wallet Xpub and get your on-chain transactions that way. So we we'll just provide this beautiful UI UX wrapper around all of the native services that Bitcoin offers and third-party companies offer as well. So yeah, we'll integrate. BTC Pay server, Open Node, Voltage, Strike, like any any company that like has an integration that we can offer, we'll offer, um, and and like I said, just offer these additional enhanced services on top of what they might not get with these other services. And then can you invoice for Fiat as well? I noticed an
0: ACH uh, connection.
1: There's we. I've added some basic tabs in there where you can add manual information. So for ACH, for example, you can enter your ACH information. And if that will just show up as a tab on the hosted payment page, if you put in a Bitcoin address and ACH, they'll just have a tab that they can flick back and forth, whichever one the payer wants to use. Like if you want to offer them both options, maybe you want to put in a Bitcoin address, but you're not sure whether they will pay or not. You want to offer the backup. So the ACH, when you, when the payer clicks that, it'll just show them your ACH details. And it'll just say like, use these details to make a payment. So they got to go into their like online bank and do it manually. So there's no automated stuff in there. Um, now, I do want to get stuff in there that I think might be able to happen in future, depending on how a lot of Bitcoin wallets work. Like, for example, the strike integration that I've got in there at the moment, it's I mean, we know the way Strike works, right? It's basically just moving dollars around the world, but using the Lightning network. So even if you connect your Strike account to ZapRite and we'll generate a Lightning QR and allow people to pay like with any Lightning wallet, the money still gets settled in USD in the person's Strike account. So I know there's other services out there that are starting to come out with these kind of like neobank Bitcoin apps where they give you ACH details, account numbers and routing numbers. So maybe in the future, there's a more kind of seamless thing that, like ZapRite can do where we can offer fiat payments but it's something I want to try and like resist as long as possible because I'm not trying to build a tool that makes it easier for people to make fiat payments I'm trying to build a tool that makes it easier for people to earn bitcoin and and spend bitcoin because I think the circular economy is like absolutely pivotal um like hodling's great but like we need to be spending and using bitcoin we need people earning it spending it buying things um so I mean I resisted putting in stripe for mm-hmm for forever like i just don't want to have like credit card forms in there like stripe has a really cool api where i could allow people to connect their stripe accounts and then i could show a credit card form and they could do fiat payments on the invoices and it would still be non-custodial on my behalf because it would go straight into the person's account but i just don't want to do that like i just don't want to you know offer that service maybe if it has to happen in the future you know i'll deal with it then but right now i'm just focusing on the, the bitcoin stuff I love it. And to get into that, like why do you think it's
0: important to stoke the circular economy and what could something like ZapRite do to, to push that forward?
1: Well, I mean, I think everybody watching this podcast will probably understand why it's important, uh, why Bitcoin is important, particularly with everything that's going on now with like inflation and all that craziness. Um, but I think on a on a kind of more more important level maybe is, well, maybe more important, I don't know, but like something that I certainly hadn't considered until I moved down to Austin is, it's like, I think it's getting harder and harder for people to like interact with most fiat companies without providing like a crap ton of KYC. Um It's, there's... So, I mean, the example that I use is like since moving down to Austin, I've been trying to buy like IKEA furniture, trying to buy like over the weekend, I tried to buy a Best Buy TV and they basically just shut down my account and said, we're not working with you. Um, I don't know why. Maybe they didn't like my Canadian credit card. Maybe they didn't like the fact that I was trying to use like pay with moon credit cards like to buy the TV. But a lot of these sites, people don't know like that you can't buy anything unless you're using a US based credit card. I don't have a US based credit card, so I can't buy IKEA furniture. I had to use PayPal Moon credit cards to try and buy IKEA gift cards to then try and buy on IKEA. And it worked once. And then they caught on to the fact and then just like shut down my account so I can't buy anything anymore. Same thing happened with Best Buy. They're just like, nope, we're not allowing you. Um, and I'm seeing that more and more. So the, the point I'm trying to make here is that even somebody as an Irish Canadian living in the so-called like, you know, first world western world, like supposedly not excluded from the financial system. I'm finding that I'm more and more excluded from the financial system. And I think the, the reason is because, you know, when the internet came out, everything was amazing. Everything was, you know, wow, we can do all these like credit card payments online and people can have e-commerce and people can set up their own stores. And isn't this amazing? Like mom and pop stores can like spin up like e-commerce shops and like take money online. And it was like, it was great. It was great for like a decade or two. But now I think we've kind of like crossed the Rubicon where it's like, it's not useful anymore. Like it's becoming so like restrictive that it's very, very hard for companies to operate taking payments online without going, like running this gamut of like KYC and regulatory stuff. So it's getting to the stage now where companies like IKEA, they just don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about the customers. Like they, they'd rather not have you as a customer than try and like make it easy for you to buy. They're just like, oh, well, this guy, we haven't seen him before. Like, he doesn't have a U.S. SSN. There's, he's not in our system. Like, oh, we're scared of him. Like, just, okay, close his account. We don't want him. It's yep. like, it's fucked. Like,
0: what are you going to do? Take the furniture and start beating people with it?
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's so bizarre. It's just like, I mean, I don't, I don't understand why, first of all, they restrict it to U.S.-based credit cards. Like, it just makes no sense. Like, if you try and buy, like, I even tried to go on to BitRefill and buy um, IKEA gift cards that way, but they're all separated by country. Like Ikea Germany is a different one to Ikea Finland and they're all like restricted to only be used in each country and they don't have one for like Ikea US. Um, So yeah, it's like, it's really, it's really crazy. And I'm kind of finding more and more, like even when I came down here, like I tried to, we don't have Uber open like BC where I was, at least not when I was there. So I came down here and I'm like installing like Uber and Uber Eats and all these like apps on my phone and like trying to put in credit cards. And it's just like, no, not taking that one. Nope, not taking that one. It's like, I'm like scratching my head going, like, I thought we were in this like first world, like country where things were supposed to be easy. So even I'm finding that Bitcoin is like hugely beneficial to me just to be able to pay bills and use pay with moon to like get credit cards and pay where I need to use those. So, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like for people in other countries like that live in like way worse situations. So yeah, to go back to your to your question, like the reason it's so important is because I think we've crossed this Rubicon, where it's like companies are just going to make it harder and harder and harder for you to interact with them unless you can jump through these hoops and and pr- provide all this information to prove you are who you are. Um, and if you don't fit their, you know, profiling in their database, it's uh, it's you know, you're out. See it's, you later.
0: It's insane, man. because yeah. there the, you had that EU politician come out, I believe yesterday or earlier today. Because uh, they're putting a, yeah. a, a law. In Tony Somi
1: was it, or Paul Somi? Uh, I remember seeing that tweet. Yeah.
0: But uh, essentially, just saying, like, all right, there's going to be a vote. There's a proposal in the EU to mandate that Bitcoin wallets uh, enact the same like Financial Action Task Force rules that exist for the traditional system, which is you need to have information on both the, the sender and the receiver in any transaction. How fucking crazy is this? Like, I just want to buy a shitty yeah. couch. I'm sorry. for yeah, a yeah, shitty yeah. couch, yeah, like
1: A TV. Like, why do you need all this information? But this is it. Like, and the, but the craziest part of it as well is that like, so we all know Bitcoin's peer to peer. They want to bring in this rule that says, like, you know, if you want to send money to somebody else, like, even through an exchange or whatever, like, you've got to, like, prove who the other person is. You've got to give us their name and address of where this money is going to. And it's to stop money laundering a criminal activity. It's like, you think the criminals are going to care? You think the criminals are going to be like, oh, man, I was going to send, like, you know, I'm going to send my local drug dealer some Bitcoin for my drugs, but I can't now because, like, this guy Tony in the EU wants me to give information. Oh, damn. Guess I'll just go drive some old people to the grocery store instead. Like it's so stupid. It's like none of this is gonna stop anything. It's just more for surveillance and just to try and yeah, just to try and get you like into this system that they can control you much better. And another thing too, like Bitcoin specifically, since it's a push
0: system, like and all these laws are about like preventing fraud and money laundering that many think is enacted by Identity theft, uh, it can't happen with Bitcoin. You have the private keys, like nobody can steal. I mean, somebody could steal your private keys. It's it's harder than stealing credit card information. Private keys can be stolen, but you can make an assumption uh, for a wide swath of uh, transactions that are made on the Bitcoin network that the person who actually owns the Bitcoin is yeah, uh, instigating or uh, inciting that transaction, broadcasting that transaction. Yeah, yeah. and so you like you don't need all this overprotection, data collection policy because um, you, you can probably with a high degree of probability, uh, so you have certainty that the person sending the transaction is the person who actually owns the Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I've always had a problem with that whole identity fraud thing, anyway, because you know. First of all, like if, if identity fraud happens, the first thing the bank will do is they'll phone you up or they'll send you a letter and they'll say, oh, sorry, sir, you've been the victim of identity fraud. And like the first response to that should be like, well, no, I haven't. You were the victim of identity fraud. <laughs> like you fucked up. You got fooled because someone walked into your bank and showed a fake ID and you got fooled. Like that wasn't me. You were the one who was supposed to be responsible for looking after this stuff and you failed. So like you said, now that responsibility comes back onto me because I have my private keys. And so none of these laws are needed anymore. They're all just superfluous for like, you know, some old crap fiat world that we like had to live in for a while. But um, yeah, that, that whole thing just annoyed me anyway. It was like they're bringing out laws that they say are here to protect us, but they're the ones who are responsible for our information at the end of the line anyway um and just it never made sense never sat right with me at all no and they just insecurely hold this data get stolen
0: yeah oh, we need more laws take more data because all the data got stolen
1: yeah wait what yeah exactly yeah yeah it's like <laughs> let's just like you know let's just like govern you harder because like we can't do it right the first time so let's just bring more laws but yeah i mean we've seen you know all the all the kind of hacks that have happened recently, particularly in in the Bitcoin space and stuff with basic services like email campaigns and stuff. And it's just like, you know, I remember the BlockFi one from like a year or two back. And I remember thinking like they got their marketing database hacked and they had this huge laundry list of things that got exposed, like name, date of birth, email address, home address. And I remember thinking to myself, what the hell is like an online digital only company doing with your home address in a marketing database? Like it makes absolutely no sense. But here they were saving your home address into their market. Like what were they going to do? Print out some flyers and post them to your house? Like it made absolutely (laughs) no sense that your home address was in there. Like it's just like all of it is just bizarre. And I think a lot of it as well as companies just trying to like be safe and overreach and try and like, Again, it goes back to, like I said before, I think we've just gone past this point where companies are just too scared now. And they're just trying to take so much information as much as they possibly can to cover themselves. And if you can't meet their threshold, it's like, yeah, see you later. You can't buy furniture here. We don't care. We've got enough customers. See you later.
0: How do we How do we get people to not be so scared anymore? That's actually like, it's been like something I've really been trying to like, like push into the narrative sphere if you will particularly in mining it's like stop catering ESG like don't be afraid of these people
1: Yeah.
0: like if you get enough people moving in the opposite direction against the current of impending ESG doom I think you can be successful against it and then similarly with like KYC AML like who the fuck is going to stand up and be like enough is enough like this is this is creepy it's getting to the point where it's like absurdly creepy
1: yeah it is. It's. Um. I. I don't know where. I don't know where the point will come, but I. I think it will. It will come at some stage because. Um. It will just start to affect more and more people, and more and more people will become aware of it. More and more people, like, you know, we're obviously very aware of this now. Whenever there's like leaks with like anything to do with a Bitcoin company, like we're all freaking out, going kind of like, "Oh my god, is my info in there?" Like this is really bad. Normal people don't really care right now because you know it's just not really happening to them. Up front, it's obviously happening with massive dark markets with all of their information out there being sold but it's not affecting them but I think it will just more and more it'll start to affect them um if that doesn't happen like from the you know identity theft like point of view it'll just happen from like CBDCs and all that stuff where they just start to realize oh crap I have less freedom less financial freedom like I'm being controlled with everything I do there And a lot of people who will still just be asleep and like go along with all that. Like some lemmings won't care, but I think more and more people will wake up as time goes by to realize that their they're just shopping habits are being restricted.
0: Oh shit, I can only buy bug patties today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have downloaded this Vax Pass. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You've had your allocation of meat this month, sir. You cannot buy any more like meat month. No more beef Can't, for no you. No more alcohol for you. No more. Well, they'll probably always allow people to buy alcohol because that's how you just keep them sitting in their house, like numb. That's what but, they did the last two years.
0: Yeah, exactly. Couldn't go to the gym or you can go to your local liquor store. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, that was it. Close down the playgrounds, close down the gym, close down everything, but like leave the liquor store open. And no, the cost because like, you know, those, those wealthy guys got to get their money in.
0: Yeah. Don't only really leave the liquor store open. Let's get it going 24-7. There's people, there's a lot of desperation out there. We need to get in their booze. Yeah. I mean, I felt that. that I drank a lot during the.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of months as well where I did. And then I I actually went through wild swings. Like there was a couple of months where I was just like going through like a lot of booze because like pubs are closed and you know, I'm Irish, I like to go out to a pub and have a pint and meet friends. Pubs are closed. So it's like, oh yeah, I'll just buy a six pack and have it in the house. And then you go through and you're just like, oh, holy shit, man, I'm drinking more beer. And then I went through this whole like uh, phase where I literally just stopped. I think it was like January was January 21? Anyway, New Year's resolution. And uh, basically it's just like, right, I'm I'm trying to do a dry January. I actually lasted like all the way up to Paddy's Day, like which was pretty good. So <laughs> um but yeah I got caught in that as well. Like went through like both ends of the spectrum. But um yeah there's so many people that I imagine were caught with a lot of that stuff. Uh, not just you know, not just alcohol abuse, but like drug abuse, like domestic violence, like all of that kind of stuff. I mean, that's a whole other topic we don't have to go into on this pod. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of. I think the more that stuff happens, the more people will hopefully wake up and realize that these things are not here to protect them; they're here they're to here
0: surveil, to control you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it seems so obvious to us. Like this is like look at what's going on. We're Continuing yeah. down a slippery slope that leads to, like, complete control. Yeah. And that's, I feel like I go back and forth between, like, black pill, white pill. Are people waking up? Are they not?
1: I know. It's, it's, like, yeah, I guess it depends what mood you're in. You feel optimistic, and it's like, yeah, people are waking up, and then you go outside and see some, like, clown world shit, and you're like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. But it's, yeah, I mean, we were all like that at one stage, and that's the thing. I mean, I know... Certainly I was like, I knew nothing about, you know, how the deep state worked or nothing about economics and how it was all just like, you know, strings pulled by Wall Street and all these like central bankers in the background. Like I knew nothing about that. Um, And obviously Bitcoin opened my eyes to all that stuff. And I, you know, educated myself and came around to it. And I try my best to do it to like friends and family and everything. But most people are just immune to that kind of education. They just... That curiosity. Yeah, I just don't want to. They just don't want to know. Like it's too much. It's too much for them to deal with, right? They got their lives and they got stuff to do, and they don't want to know that. Like you know, these inherently evil people are running the world, and they don't have their best interests in heart. They want to think that these politicians are good people, and they dedicate their lives to make sure that like your life is better. Like you know, these are people who go fifty years in Congress, sixty years, like to to make sure that your life is better. All of a sudden, they like you know, end up with like hundreds of millions of dollars of like property and stocks and stuff. And it's like, oh, I wonder how that happened. Pete's related
0: handkerchiefs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fucked up,
1: man.
0: Yeah. It's becoming obvious now with the Bidens and that laptop that a lot of the information on that laptop is
1: yeah, that's, proving uh, to be a bit
0: incriminating. I
1: haven't been following too much of that, um, but I've seen some stuff pop up. I've seen you tweeting about a few other people. I've honestly, I've like, Twitter's my only um Twitter's my only social media connection to the world I, like cut everything else out. Um and I've pretty much created this nice echo chamber of like bitcoiners on on Twitter. Is that bad? No, I think it's like I think it's awesome at least it was. But now with all this like Ukraine Russia stuff and like even everything with like Will Smith last night I just like my feed is just starting to fill up with garbage and I'm just like all these Bitcoiners that I thought were like, you know, had better things to do with their life and my feed is just full of this shit that like I just don't want to hear about and don't care about. Um I mean obviously the Russia Ukraine stuff is like, you know, terrible when people, innocent people die, like in these masters of war just like play their games. Um but you know, I tried to not get involved in all that stuff. So I'm even kind of just contemplating like switching off Twitter for a while because I can't do it. But like, it's hard because I obviously have a ZapRite account for like, for Twitter account for ZapRite as well. And that's my only, you know, outlet for that. So I don't know, maybe I need to hire like a social media intern or something and just say, deal with this. Like I'm out of here.
0: It does get very noisy. I've actually been using Twitter less um, over the last few weeks. Just because I'm busy. That, that's actually, I've been very optimistic the last few weeks. And I think it's because I'm busy just seeing everything. That's yeah,
1: work there. pulls you out of that. Like, work, when you got stuff to do, you're like, you know, life's good. Yeah. Right? Like, when you find, like, it's just like idle hands, right? Like, you just, you always find this other stuff to occupy your time. And if you don't have anything to do, you're going to be on Twitter, like, doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not good. It's not like, even before all this kind of, annoying like politics real world shit was starting to get me down i just knew i was spending too much time on twitter anyway even just looking at bitcoin stuff i was like just scrolling way too much i was like nah, i got a startup i can't i can't spend time like, doing this so i've been trying to be good at not spending a lot of time on it and now like this whole you know everything that's going on now the last couple of weeks as well i'm just like oh this just gives me a good excuse to kind of switch it off yeah and you're very yeah. busy i mean you got big
0: plans for that, right yeah. I should yeah. disclaim 1031's an investor in right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> should probably <laughs> say that. Um, yeah, so 1031's invested halfway through uh raising a, a pre seed round and obviously 1031 in there like uh from the start. And that's been awesome. Like you guys were like my, you know, number one pick, I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here with you, Marty. Um, but no, it's been amazing to have you guys on board. Um, and it allows me now to just kind of like hit the ground running faster because now I can hire, like I'm going to, you know, hire a full stack engineer. There's going to be a job going up on Bitcoiner jobs on that like pretty soon, probably hopefully sometime this week. Um, And then, yeah, just like a huge ambitious roadmap that, you know, a lot of stuff connected to invoicing and accounting and stuff like that as well. But just some other kind of side stuff as well that I'm thinking through my head that I kind of think could easily be like integrated in. so a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of potential to build something like really, really cool here. But, you know, when you're just solo founder, like myself, there's, there's limited time that you can do stuff. And then I'm dealing with like, you know, trying to get immigration visas and trying to sell a real estate in Ireland and trying to like, you know, get him move into an apartment buy furniture, all that kind of like, it just sucks your time out every day. But now, um, I'm starting to actually, you know, get a handle on the, the plan on what I want to move forward with. Um and then obviously like having a, a full-time engineer on that will be like an amazing, um, amazing help with all of that stuff. Um signed on Nate from VP Engineering for Bull Bitcoin as advisor, which is um like, dude, I'm like I'm so stoked about that. Like he's like literally he's been there right from the start. Um I, I got to know him when he was still at Verify. Mm-hmm. Um and like obviously through working with Bull Bitcoin and I worked with Verify as well. Um Got to know him, and then you know, asked, reached out to him, and asked him for help when I was starting ZapRite just to get like the kind of tech stack up and running, because like I really, I'd never built like a, a React JavaScript like modern like modern stack app before in my life, like never coded in JavaScript ever, so had to like kind of roll my sleeves up and like learn that and do it. But I got a lot of help from Nate with setting up like the GitHub, the like uh, continuous integration, like all of that kind of stuff, getting the hosting up and running. Um, and a lot of the other kind of like integrations, database integrations and stuff that needed to be done. So he's been phenomenal. He's been like amazing, amazing help from the very start. Um, knows the product like inside out. Uh, and has just been like a great friend over the years. And now obviously like has moved down to Austin as well. I was in the process of moving here. And um, we both kind of came down at the same time, independent of each other. I'd never met him in real life. It was all over Zoom calls and stuff. Um, same at all of the Bull Bitcoin guys, um, I'd always just had Zoom calls. So we all just happened to move down here at the same time, which was like (laughs) amazing just to have those guys here. I remember like a couple of days in just meeting them at at, uh, Whistler's Bar actually down in in East Austin and just being just so stoked to like give him a hug and shake your hand and buy him a beer and be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like finally get to meet you guys. But yeah, having Nate on board has been like, that's something I'm really, really stoked about because um, he's a phenomenal engineer uh, and he's, you know he's going to be you know he's really going to help with kind of guiding like the dev team and like helping out with like kind of you know hiring and stuff like that and and uh, that side of stuff which is like i said i'm not not an engineer i don't consider myself an engineer a lot of people try and call me like a front-end dev, but, you know, maybe that's a, a bit of a stretch. I could call myself that, but... I mean, if you've gotten um, the
0: product to this point, I think you, you can consider yourself an engineer. It's very beautiful. And you know, Cheers, Marty. It, it works. That.
1: It's uh Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to kind of come around to that now and take that kind of, you know, take, I'll take those points for sure. It's um, I'm kind of proud of what I built. I probably spent a little bit too much time on the front-end, but um, it looks good, and I get a lot of comments on that, so that's uh, that's pretty awesome. I wanted to try and build something that was a little bit different, you know, I just didn't want to have another material UI bootstrap app like that was, you know, the same as everything else. Um, but at the same time, like when you're when you're kind of launching a startup like this, you don't really want to spend too much time on front end because it's all about proof of concept and, you know, trying to get people using it and getting feedback and stuff like that. But, um, you know, hopefully the design helps. I think design is, you know, I'm a design nerd. I'm a graphic designer by trade. It's what I went to school as. So, like, I think, design is hugely important um, particularly for like services and apps like this like the software side of it like the the consumer retail side of it Um, I think design needs needs to be thought about for sure as it does with all of these apps but I think because we're working in a brand new space like a bitcoin space where a lot of this stuff just hasn't been done before um, then I think we're dealing with like a lot different like UI UX uh, components Mm -hmm. and things that have to be like obviously like you know thought through so and that's where like things like the bitcoin design like slack and stuff like that is like hugely beneficial um so it's great to have people like thinking through all these things and creating frameworks and discussions and you know having regularly like uh you know meetups and stuff about how design needs to be thought about for all these new um you know services that are going to spring up so yeah i think it's an important part so um i think that's definitely where my Skill set has come into play, but it's been really fun, like learning React and stuff as well, and doing all that like uh, JavaScript stuff as well. Has been awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've said it many times on this show. We have Ben Trisha on, uh, who's contributed to the Bitcoin Design Guide. Uh, I've tweeted about it. I think, like you just said, the, the design landscape in Bitcoin is so wide open. Like if you're a designer. And you want to actually like make your mark on the world and like create design flows and UX flows that have that are innovative and have long standing stature like Bitcoin is the perfect place ecosystem come in and start building those experiences and those interfaces because like you mentioned, there's so many new variables to take into consideration when uh, you, you put Bitcoin into the mix, like address structure, hot wallet, cold wallet, lightning, all that stuff. Yeah. Needs design and experiences built on top of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because even, you know, even as like Bitcoiners, like sometimes a lot of this technical stuff is confusing. Um, and, you know, obviously, like a lot of that stuff is back end stuff that devs will figure out. And so it's up to the front end guys then to just like figure out, okay, well, you know, this is something that hasn't traditionally been of importance in like, you know, maybe a traditional fintech app, but we got to incorporate it in here. So let's think about new ways that we can do that. So that's like really exciting. Um, But yeah, I think everything, like everything has to be rebuilt on the Bitcoin stack. I mean, everything that we think of, like every single service out there like has to be rebuilt. So if you're, you know, if you're a designer, um, marketer, like whatever it is, and you're trying to think of a way to get into Bitcoin, you know, like, my early story that I was talking about, like just kind of figure out what your skill set is, and and then just like go to the the Bitcoin community and say like, this is my skill set, this is what I'm thinking to do, and this is how I think I can contribute. Like point me in the right direction, um, and yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for people like that to to provide um, benefit to the Bitcoin community based on their particular skill set. Yeah,
0: and then. You can build a product. One day you can wake up and be like, "Oh, I was helping up Bull Bitcoin, and I ran into a problem where I needed to get paid. I, I wound up building a product that allowed me to do that much easier."
1: Yeah, well, they're all they're always the best products is something that's built out of a need that like the founder had, um, because you know you're trying to solve a real world problem right from the start. Whereas you know sometimes people build products that they're not sure if you know there's going to be a need for it, but you know invoicing. You know, invoicing and accounting in particular, I think is going to be huge in in the next kind of like decade or two. Um, Why do you think that? Just for, for Bitcoin, like Bitcoin specific invoicing and accounting, because if we end up moving on to a Bitcoin standard, or at least more and more companies decide they want to be on a Bitcoin standard and they hold Bitcoin treasury and they operate mostly using Bitcoin, then, you know, they're going to need accounting tools that, like, account for that and that know how Bitcoin works and how, you know, you can optimize um, your your kind of cash flow and everything, your capital gains tax, like, any kind of loss taking and stuff like that. Um, like, there is, uh, there is, like, a lot of tax tools and stuff out there that do, like, a lot of that stuff around trading. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's a ton of those tools where you can just, like, you know, connect to your Binance, your Coinbase, whatever, like, and they'll tell, tell you all that kind of, like, tax stuff. But I think like real accounting stuff, like QuickBooks, you know, type stuff uh, needs to be built uh, for Bitcoin. So I think we're going to see a lot more tools around around that and around circular economy in general because I think circular economy is going to be kind of a big thing like moving forward.
0: Yeah, uh, especially if inflation continues <laughs> on the tip yeah. that it's on. People are like, hey, maybe I'll just start invoicing in Bitcoin and get some exposure to it at least.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's, um, it's a great... It's a great, uh, there's a great built-in incentive for that, right? Like as, as number goes up, you're, you know, that thousand dollars that you earned creating a logo or building a website or whatever, um, you know, in six months time could be worth like, you know, 1500 or 2000. <laughs> right. um, and that's, you know, that that's huge. Have you, that's, do you have any like real life examples of that Like well, yeah, I mean, you, me, uh, me, freelancer? Me, I mean me, me personally, like I started freelancing in like getting paid in Bitcoin um, in 2018, 2019. So like any of that Bitcoin that I still have is obviously, you know, worth like 5x or 10x or whatever it is like from back then. So all of those little jobs that I was doing here and there for people like, oh, you need a flyer done, like, you know, 200 euro or like $400 or whatever it might be. All those amounts are now like worth more um and that's you know that's huge like that's <laughs> yeah. like you tell that to somebody who's a freelancer and they're just like holy shit how, how do i get me some of that bitcoin it's like well you use right you start like using the tools that allow you to um to to invoice and get paid in bitcoin because i think earning is uh earning is a great part of it because it's also kyc free yes it is
0: that's a great part about getting paid in bitcoin but i want to lean into like do you think there's something psychological uh for people when it comes to earning bitcoin versus buying it straight up do you think there's a little less stress when they're earning it a little more stress like how do you think people view that um in terms of like getting into bitcoin versus
1: buying yeah i think um that's a good question i haven't really thought about that before but i think definitely there's probably less stress in the earning side of it because You know, when you're buying, there's always that stress of looking at charts and like, oh my God, if I just wait, it might go down a little bit more. Like, you know, there's always that kind of, when you're like, we're all doing that when we're buying, right? Um, But when you're earning, it's kind of out of your control. You just send the invoice to your client and thousand dollars and whenever they pay it, they pay it. Whenever it comes in, you're just like, okay, great. Now I got Bitcoin. And now, because it's part of your actual, like, you know, income, you're going to be more guarded on what you do with it like when you sell it and stuff right because now it's um it's instead of like it being your disposable income that you've just bought some and you're kind of sitting on the side you might be more tempted to trade it whereas now it's like it's income so you're like okay well maybe I should kind of hold on to that a little bit longer and try and like make some cash flow plans and kind of like use it a little bit better so I think there's definitely more benefits to to earning it than than just like simply buying but obviously like buy it as well (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I would agree. Yeah, somebody
0: buys, earns, earns cash, buys. Uh, it's uh, the earning, earning feels good too. Earning Bitcoin, there's nothing better than, yeah, for this podcast, sending out an invoice to an advertiser and they pay in Bitcoin. And yeah, like, wow, I'm reading these ads and I got paid Bitcoin for
1: it. It's, yeah, it's great, it's awesome. Um, and you know similarly on the flip side of that, the spending side of it as well is I think we need to encourage more people to spend. Um, You know, obviously you're going to trigger a lot of people. I'm going to trigger a lot of people. um, But you know, whether you, you know, if you're, if you want to buy something for a hundred bucks, see it in a store, you want to buy it and you're like, well, I'm not spending my sats or like, you know, you go out for dinner or something and you know, you want to tip, tip the waitress or something. You know, well, I'm not going to tip on my sats because like, I want to keep that money. Like, you got to think about it that you end up with the same amount of sats either way. Because you either like still have your dollars left over that you didn't use and then you just like replace your Bitcoin or you spend like your dollars and you still have your Bitcoin. So you still end up with the exact same amount of sats anyway. The only issue is the capital gain side of it and the accounting side of it. Like, you know, if you're out tipping $20 to like, you know, server for dinner or you're like paying your buddies for like beers or whatever, like you obviously don't care about the capital gain side of it. But for businesses, you know, it's probably a big issue. Like, I mean. I know there's people who are using ZapRite to send out like invoices to Bitcoin companies. And even some of the Bitcoin companies are not paying in Bitcoin. They prefer to pay like ACH and Fiat. And I think that's something that we need to change. We need to start saying to people like, well, no, like, you know, you're a Bitcoin company. You need to start like spending your Bitcoin. Um, And again, like it's the capital gains and the accounting side of it that scares people off. So I think if we can make better tools for that, then we can incentivize people to do it more. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, that's my kind of theory on the spending side of it. I think it needs to happen. I understand why people don't, um, a combination of everything I just talked about and number group technology as well, but we need to just build better tools. And I think incentivizing the earning side of it will naturally just force the spending side of it as well. Because if you're living on a hundred percent Bitcoin or the majority Bitcoin, then you just have to spend some at some stage.
0: No, I mean, I've... CFTC, we're, we're finding that out. We, uh, a lot of our revenue is shifted towards Bitcoin. a um, like considerable amount. And so like now that, and that's I think I need a tool that can help me track my Bitcoin cash flows, like help me the accounting side too, like with FIFO LIFO practices, like in coin selection, like building a tool, it allow you to like select coins that you received, like when Bitcoin was at $65,000 spend, then record a loss on that coin. I don't, I'm, I'm just like making this off. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is how the accounting will actually work, but it's how I imagine it works. Yeah. I have an accountant that takes care of all this, but like yeah. making it easy um, for me as a business owner who has Bitcoin revenue and needs to spend Bitcoin uh, to reinvest in the company and pay people and all that stuff like, having a tool that would, like, allow me to, like, go in and, like, all right, here's the UTXO I received at $65,000. Yeah. Price is $47,000. Now, like, I can spend this and not, uh, not like, have to yeah. do a capital gain.
1: Absolutely. Like, all that stuff, I think, is critical. And this is why I mentioned before that I think, you know, the next decade or two, like, accounting is going to be huge because this is what we need. Like, we need all of these tools. Like, you know, wallets have them built in, you know, coin selection and stuff as yes. well for, for for like privacy purposes but we need them for accounting purposes as well so i think a lot more of that stuff has to be like thought through um trying to do it all like privacy is a big thing as well like i mean i think i'd mentioned this before maybe it was before we started recording but one of the things i want to be able to do is try and keep it as like build all these tools but keep privacy as the main kind of like core concept because um you know financial information is you know it's it's private, like people generally don't want that shared, or at least they don't want it like being exposed. So the more of these like cloud hosting services that you use, you know, and ZapRite is one of them right now, the MVP, um, you know, you're you're potentially, you know, running the risk of like the information being hacked and leaked. So, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd love to be able to like tackle that problem, um, which is, you know, absolutely like firmly on my roadmap is to try and build all these tools with privacy in mind. Um, Like I said, we're non-custodial, non-KYC. We want to just build the wrappers around the, the current like stack and allow people to like plug in their own wallets. So if we can do that some way, but also manage to like map transactions into a database and like do a whole accounting thing as well, where we're not exposing like transaction IDs and stuff like that. Um, like that, that would be amazing. Like I think that would be a huge like beneficial tool. How are you thinking about doing this? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's something that like the tech side of things like that when it comes to like Bitcoin and how Bitcoin works and how like PGP encryption works and all that kind of stuff. Like that's not my area at all. Like I'm not, um, not going to pretend I know like the best approach to solve this. But I just do know that it's, a, it's an absolute like priority of mine to try and make it happen. Um, and, you know, that's where the, you know, the hires will come in, like the full stack engineers and stuff like that, where i will we'll hire along the road, which will be able to hopefully like build out all these tools.
0: So. Yeah. Um, so like, how much are you willing to tell the freaks about what you have on your roadmap? Obviously, you have simple invoicing right now. Um, You're mentioned accounting, like, will this just be a full invoicing accounting software? What What other... Sort of trinkets. And, um, the trinkets is probably not
1: the right I word. Think, uh, I think. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's, uh, there's probably, um, yeah, there's some things that like I, you know, I've been chatting to people at meetups and stuff like that, and 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 different things and online. So like, you know, most people are probably aware. Um, but there's some things that I, I think there's would be good like additional services to have in there, like donation pages, crowdfunding, um, you know, ticketing systems. All of this stuff that like people, you know, could use, like small businesses could use, um, you know, maybe some like merchant services stuff in there as well, like making it easy to just put like checkout buttons on websites and things like that. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that that could be easily added in now that the like kind of core functionality like is in the the invoicing part of it. We've got the transactional emails and the live price checking and all that kind of stuff. So like natural, natural, like next step is add in like donation pages and you know, particularly when everything in Canada like happened around the 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 stuff up there, um, it kind of became clear. And I spent a bit of time thinking about it, and I just thought, like, you know, what? There's there's enough donation stuff out there, right? How like I'll think about how I can, you know, do that in the future. Um, but you know, maybe that's something that comes in, um, at some stage. Like I said, tickets, you know, kind of like Eventbrite competitor. I think it'd be really cool to just do a full on like lightning ticket like service. Um you know, what are things like that? But then again, at the same time, I kind of got to be careful. I don't spread myself too thin. I don't want to try and, you know, add in all these like bells and whistles like right now, um, without actually just trying to get like a core product out there. So I need to, I need to do, you know, more work on the invoicing accounting side of it and start like talking to users and figuring out like what it is that they want to see, um, how I can best build the actual like core functionality of the product first. Um, and then maybe some of the other stuff can come in. Um, but yeah, I think there's just so much potential for a product like ZapRite um, in the future. Because like I said, we're at this, we're at the start of this kind of period now where the whole circular economy stuff will start to take off. More and more people are going to start like earning it, spending it, using it. Um, so yeah, like there's gonna be a lot of kind of like spin-off tools that could that a company like ZapRite could could incorporate in. Um right now it's just about trying to like kinda like zone in on, on core functionality and go from there.
0: Yeah. No, I think one thing that I really like about Zap, right? And I, I don't want it to sound like I'm shitting on BTC payser, but I do think you found that that happy middle ground where like when I send an invoice on BTC pay server, like I continually have to go in and like check the request. Like is it paid? Is it settled? Like having system where i just get emailed like all right somebody's paying this right now automatically like they don't have that no not not the way we've set it up right yeah yeah they may have i know
1: it's been a while since i looked at bdc pay service so i don't know i mean maybe you know there's always stuff being added in maybe they have plugins or something like that that you can set up like a mailer i probably uh, do something like i don't know but yeah even if not though i think it's um like i said i think zaprite's more geared towards those people who aren't running nodes. They aren't running BTC based. They don't want to deal with like plugins and add-ons to to all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think there's definitely a, a different market there for sure. But yeah, I mean, BTC based servers, we'll, we'll get that integration in there as well. So even if people do want to run their own nodes and run their own BTC based server, we'll just, you know, get your API key and invoice read only key and we'll, we'll throw it in there and we'll just give you a, a better UI UX wrapper around it. And everything still gets, you know, categorized and, um, record it into, into your own, you know, your own node. So, um, I mean, that's something as well that, you know, I don't think we mentioned yet, but like, I really want to try and as well as, as well as trying to do everything with, with, with ZapRite in a, in a privacy focused way, I do want to also offer, you know, like an Umbral app or a MyNode app or something or something like on Start9 that you can actually just like run yourself and pull down and basically just do all your own kind of like accounting and stuff so you're in complete control over your financial information um and you know I was talking to to Lisa from Blockstream recently during one of the events here and she's doing a really cool accounting system on like C Lightning mm-hmm. um which you know is is really cool as well I listened to the podcast where you had her on she explained it um I like like all of that type of stuff I think is really cool because you know she's she's building a tool where you know it's just pulling information from the node and it's giving you these like graphs and charts but you know it's it's not exposing any of the information yeah um, and i think that's you know i think that's the way we should all be thinking about building like products in the future is you know trying to trying to trying to keep it as self custodial as possible and not having these like huge honeypot databases of information um, you know obviously the mvp is is not set up that way for zap right but we still take like absolute minimal i mean you only need an email address to sign up but um definitely looking at ways of you know removing ourselves from a lot of the 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 third party services like that can be like a threat in the future
0: yeah and i think podcasting 2.0 what adam carey has done is is provided a unique example of ways to monetize because people are like, all right, if you just like open source and let people do it on start nine, um, how, do, how do you monetize? It's like, well, there's this podcasting 2.0 model that is like proven like you can, you can do this, uh, create these open source tools and release them for free. And then you can just plug in like a little lightning address. And if you're, um, if you're like transacting, via the service and you want to give value back to the company that, that gave you in the ease of use here, like you can easily just send them some sats
1: right away. Here's their address.
0: Yeah. Um, that's just me thinking, I think.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff around the monetization aspect, um, that I've been trying to think of because like ZapRite's free right now. I'm just trying to get people to like come in and use it and, and give feedback, but like eventually, you know, obviously you're going to have to try and monetize it some way. Um, I don't want to go the custodial route that like say OpenNote is gone where I can charge like a percentage on volume. Um, You know, if there's a way of doing it, I'd, I'd, I'd do it that way, I think, because it scales better and it's fairer as well. Like somebody say who's using this in El Salvador or Nigeria or something is not going to pay like a $30 a month SaaS fee or whatever it ends up being like, you know, that might be palatable for like, you know, Western world, but it's not going to work. So like the percentage volume stuff scales a lot better is a lot fairer for that. Um, you know I put out a tweet I think I, I think I might have tagged you in it actually there recently and, and Luke as well and, and Odell and stuff about BIP21 um, because there was a way you know this is another controversial thing so we won't dwell on it too much but like BitPay had introduced like BIP70 I think which allowed you mm-hmm. to actually like split like create a QR code like that split um, like a. Uh, it was like the BIP21 like URI scheme but allowed you to create I think, two outputs. But it was controversial because it was a BitPay and they ran it over HTTPS and nobody liked it. And so eventually it just got pulled out of Bitcoin Core, I think, in version 0.2.0, I think. Um, so, you know, I just, after the, the the talks on Bitcoin Takeover Day and the discussions around like BIP21 again, I kind of just put that tweet out again just to kind of see if there was any, like, interest in discussing it. It doesn't seem to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, something like that, I think, would have been ideal for zap because it would have allowed me to create qr codes where i could just like say take your bitcoin address and funnel like you know 99.9 percent of the funds to your address and then just like 0.1 like would go to, to zap right um and it could just be done it would allow it would allow me to monetize my service but stay non-custodial um and that's i think like these options are, are going to be important in the future because it allows services like ZapRite to stay non-custodial, but still maybe charge um, like a fee on top of transactions. Um, Lightning might be able to do that. Like maybe just some like cool DLC or top read stuff coming in the future that that might help with that. Um, but yeah, I think they're they're kind of really interesting monetization tools that I'd like to explore more.
0: Yeah. And again, like when it comes to like the design space and Bitcoin being an open landscape. Like it, uh, not only designing experiences and visually and functionally, but I mean, designing businesses and how you monetize.
1: Yeah. So. yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think it was Grant's post, was it about the like Sats, sats flow? Sats flow. Um, and that's something that I've been like, you know, like thinking about quite a lot. And that post kind of like hit home a lot. Is that like, you know, whatever way I monetize, I would love it to be in Sats. Like I, I started off building a um, Stripe subscription service um, just because they've got like a really good API for working with their like uh, subscription service stuff. So I built it in very early on in Zaprite. I was like, okay, this is ready to turn on like whenever I start doing it. And I actually turned it on at the very start, but was just giving out free codes to give people, you know, 12 months like free service. And then I just turned it off and I just said, no, like, I don't even want to put that in in the future whenever I start charging. Like, I want it to be like a sats flow type model um, because I think that works the best. Absolutely. Um, It's, as a business, you want to be earning sats yourself. Like ZapRite's helping people to earn sats on their side, but we also want to earn sats on our side. Like, we don't want to be taking in dollars and have to worry about immediately converting them to Bitcoin. Um, As a Bitcoin company, we want our treasury to be in Bitcoin. And if we can earn it directly from subscriptions, then even better.
0: Yeah yeah I think uh the bitcoin treasury meme is gonna grow i mean obviously sailor and Jack and Elon put it on the map, but yeah. when it comes to small businesses like g f t c your local merchants startups like ZapRite, yeah. I think it's yeah it's gonna become more and more popular
1: it it's, it is um i mean being a being a founder of a bitcoin startup, I'm kind of like you know probably tuned in a little bit more to what's going on in that whole startup area with VC and funding and stuff like that. And I know there's a ton of companies, Bitcoin startups out there that are raising a lot of money right now. And if most of them put their treasury, put a lot of that like VC money into Bitcoin, you know, it may get to a stage where they don't have to raise again. They've just got such a big like stack of Bitcoin that like that, that's what they use to pay their staff and like pay expenses and do all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the whole VC landscape could be very different in 10 or 20 years time, right? you got a lot of these companies that may not have to ever raise again, or if they do, it'd be like very minimal amounts for like small, you know, small bits of equity that, you know, VCs might not be interested in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's where Grants Post comes in, like where, you know, VCs need to start thinking about the more low time preference stuff, they need to start looking at these Bitcoin companies. And going okay, like these guys have a potential to earn Sats and become like a proper like Bitcoin company with a treasury and like a Sats flow like incoming, um, and start to pick out those businesses and invest in those. Otherwise, you just get left behind. Yeah, um, the traditional fintech stuff is is not going to be around too much longer. No, right? It's because
0: like the financialization of the world has corrupted so many people's views of allocating capital. Right? Yeah. And particularly in
1: like startup world, obviously. Oh, yeah. It's it's bonkers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I don't know if you're going to finish that, but I had an example I was going to give of a a headline I just read recently where this like traditional Silicon Valley startup, fintech startup, I can't remember the name of them now, but they were basically a like a, a layaway company. Mm-hmm. And they allowed you to buy like, you know, a t-shirt or something and spread it over like four different payments like on credit or something. And they raised something like 15 million in like a seed round or something. I remember thinking to myself, like, this is disgusting. <laughs> like it's, it's literally disgusting. Like we're throwing money at these companies who are incentivizing bad financial habits from like consumers. Oh yeah, you walk past the shop and you see like a $60 t-shirt. Like not only should that t-shirt be $10 in the first place, but now it's like 60 because of inflation. Now they have to like spread that over four payments because they can't afford it, but they're being incentivized to buy it anyway because like, look at this nice like fancy like fintech company that's going to allow you to do it, and like these companies are raising like fifteen million dollars, and I get it because in this crazy clown world we're in, they'll probably make a killing in the first few years for their investors, but it's disgusting.
0: Like yes, yeah. I, I hate it. Well, the culture incentivizes it too, the culture of conspicuous consumption. You walk by a store like oh, I'll buy a sixty dollars t-shirt when I can't afford it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people think that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah no, again, like the great, the, the great definancial that's what I think DeFi is, the great definancialization. Yeah. Of the world. I and, like that. And, and yeah, people have not, and pe- many people screech about it. You can't have deflation. You can't have prices going down. You can't have, Yeah. Uh, a money with a fixed supply.
1: Like, it's happening. Yeah. It's going to be good. That gag. argument is so daft. It's like, people are not going to spend if they know that their savings are going to be worth more in the future. It's like, well, maybe they won't spend on like frivolous crap that was like made in China, like for like, you know, two cents and sold to you for 20 cents because, you know, if it breaks, you just buy another one. It's like, you know, this is, this is the stuff we need to get away from. (laughs) And this is where the whole like ESG narrative is BS as well is because like, fix all of that stuff and then you don't have this worthless consumption that's like polluting the environment just <laughs> right? to give us this cheap crap that we can buy over and over again um you know people will always buy stuff that they need when they need it that, and that some, should
0: be the way it is somebody who runs a bitcoin company with a bitcoin treasury uh, and needs to keep the lights on I, I can confirm that when push comes to shove you will Uh, part ways with your sats to keep your business running uh, and stuff like that. So Yeah. And then, then, like at an individual level, like you you notice the benefits. Yeah. Like, and then that does scale up. Like individually, got into Bitcoin um, many years ago, saved it, and my savings have gone up and my consumption habits have changed. Yeah. If you freaks haven't noticed, this t-shirt makes it onto the screen quite frequently because it's like one of the four that I own. So
1: um yeah i'm the same uh i literally came down here with like one backpack and not a lot of clothes anyway and then i started like buying some like test merch like just to see how these were going so i literally have like three or four t-shirts so yeah i'll do
0: do they all say zap right
1: uh most of them yeah
0: do you ever get stopped in the street wearing your zap right gear like what is that uh
1: a couple of times yeah either the zap right or the uh abc austin bitcoin club hoodie mm-hmm. um i've got stopped like Quite a bunch wearing that. Um, I used to think it was cool at the start. And then and now I'm starting to think like, oh shit, OPSEC. Like, I, I probably should not. Um, not many people with right, just because people don't know what it is. But if I'm wearing two together, like the t-shirt and the hat, they obviously go like, oh, this is some like, you know.
0: Wait until this corporate. podcast drops. You're going to be getting stopped at the street. There we go. Won't yeah. be able to walk home corner. this afternoon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I um, kid if We're not that big. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, um, that whole, like, yeah, that whole kind of like going back to like the VC incentive model thing, like it's just completely, completely broken in the current world. So hopefully we can kind of get people to think a little bit more about their spending habits. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just, like, it's, it's a win-win situation It enforces people to build better products that last longer. Right. Is now everything just breaks because you can buy it again so cheap again we so need to fix that
0: yes I completely agree it's uh we need to bring back long lasting things that people put a lot of effort into and actually like it's been cool to see uh Brecky on Bitcoin yeah in his art like I think obviously bitcoin's had an influence on him but, like seeing like Get into like hardcore sculpture.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Make yeah. like
0: that that eye sculpture. That's like I want to see more of that. Like yeah, people yeah. getting into like that low time preference, like proof put, of
1: work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Um, I think I mean that's we as Bitcoiners. That's obviously how we think, and we we have this like low time preference thing. You know, we want to we want to go and like live on the farm and you know raise kids the proper way and like you know have them eating proper food and you know putting putting work in like proof of work to actually like you know make our lives better um and you know hopefully we can convince more people to to do that because it's obviously the better way for us as individuals and and for society as a whole because this kind of crazy you know clown world show that we've been on for the last 50 years is just absolutely not sustainable
0: yeah yeah i think what's good for the individual if it doesn't perturb the the non-aggression principle at scale is good for the whole, right? At the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I mean you gotta think so. Yeah. I mean it, it has just has knock on effects. Yeah. Good people doing good things produces a, a good community of good people. Of good people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The, uh, and good results. One yeah. question I have is so like how many um like how many people can you use that right around the world? Like how many currencies um are you guys viable with like
1: so pretty much right now using the coin market cap api mm-hmm. um that's another thing i need to kind of change and have some backups because i know they had troubles recently um but yeah i think they they support like a whole bunch of fiat currency so whatever they support like i think it's like you know well over a 100 whatever's in there um we'll be able to do the conversion um and then in terms of languages um, I actually had ZapRite translated into about a dozen different languages um, last year. I basically just put some posts up on Bitcoiner jobs and said, you know, anyone wants some freelance work translating it? Like, here's the translation files, you know, go to town, send me a ZapRite invoice when you're done and I'll pay you in sats. And it worked really well. I got like a ton of people interested in translating. Like I had, you know, 25 plus different language like requests, but I could only manage to do 12 of them because... My out of Sat. so <laughs> it was like i can't be paying people um but what i quickly realized as well is that i'm building too fast to have these translations in there because every time i gotta add a new component or a new feature or change some like some different parts of the design and stuff i gotta go back and get all these translations done again so i actually had to pull them out in december which was kind of like upset about um i think the landing page of zapbrite.com actually still says they're in there but i gotta fix that um but yeah, eventually I want to get those uh, translations back in, um, because I think that like a lot of people really like that. I think it seemed to like get a whole bunch of attention, um, and and yeah, and then like I said, the coin market cap is a whole bunch of yeah currencies that we do. So between that and the translations and everything else, like I think it's it's basically just available globally. Hell yeah, yeah.
0: let's get people paid in sets.
1: You know. Yeah, it's. Uh...
0: Worthwhile endeavor, I would say, and it's actually a much needed service too. Like, you know, like the easier we make it for people to receive, sats. again like your flow is really intuitive. Like like you said when you first started buying uh, in Canada in twenty thirteen, and you had to like download Core and write down your private key. Yeah, no idea what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> if like, in terms of invoicing, like having something this simple could potentially. Uh, increase the likelihood of an individual being like, all right, maybe I will work for Sats. Um, you, you take that stress away from them.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, and there will be a lot of tools like this. Like, I mean, QuickBooks will probably integrate Bitcoin at some stage. I think they might all, already be working on it, but it's, uh, and there'll be there'll be others as well. But I think the more tools like this we have, the better. Um, and like I said, I think ZapRite's just in a prime position to be able to offer a lot of these services that, that we need to like quickly onboard newbies. Like I said, we got like, we got all the stuff on the nodes sorted out, all the tech guys, we can figure it out. We can run our invoices. We can run our BTC pay server for the most part if needed. Um, and, you know, there's like the Open Node and other people if you want to do, um, you know, the custodial route as well. But even OpenNode is not a patch on ZapRite when it comes to like design and user experience. So I think that whole middle market where, People eventually, like the the hope is that we start orange filling more people, right? And they start looking for these tools that are like, okay, well, what can I use to earn Bitcoin? And then ZapRite pops up. So, oh, we can use this without like having to run a node or without having to be, you know, a Coinbase customer or some other custodial service. You can basically just download Blockstream Green or Wasabi or anything else you want to download um, and plug in individual addresses or pubs, like whatever you're comfortable with. Um, and if you want to do a little bit of KYC on some other service like voltage or strike or anybody else you want to do, you can plug that in as well. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential to, to onboard like newbies through a tool like ZapRite where we can kind of like remove hopefully a lot of the, the friction, um, of, of earning Bitcoin. I think that's, uh, that's key. Oh yeah.
0: I'm a user as of today. I set up the flow finally. right on, yeah um I haven't had to send in a Bitcoin invoice in a while, so I'd do that to someone soon, yeah, so I want to make sure that I get that integrated with everything, and I just I was telling you I finally got a bookkeeper here at t f t c and this yeah. would make it very easy to like hand to him and just be like, all right, here's all the information you need, yeah to hand over to the account
1: exactly, uh, yeah, that's it what uh how can the freaks help um Start using ZapRite. Like I said, it's free right now. Um, get in there before we start charging for it. Um, sign up. Just need an email address. Uh, no KYC. Um, start using it. Send invoices. Um, send feedback. That's really what I need right now is like more people using it, giving feedback, how it all works, any bugs, anything that's going wrong, any feature requests, suggestions that they might have. That would be, you know, that would be amazing. Is uh is just to start using it and and seeing if it fits their need if it doesn't fit their need they need something else in there let me know I'll uh, I'll work to get it in there um or or yeah or even just get on get on Twitter at Zapright app and just start DMing or you know um or getting on the timeline and start just flinging me suggestions and and stuff on asking questions about you know if you need help onboarding or you want to you still got questions about it like ask me because I know the the marketing website needs a, a massive revamp. That's kind of next on the to-do list. Um, so yeah, basically just like hit me up. Happy to happy to chat, jump on calls, get feedback, do all that stuff.
0: <laughs> You've got a job posting on Bitcoiner jobs too. full stack dev.
1: uh, coming up soon. Not there, uh, just now just, uh, finalizing that and we'll get that up soon. Hopefully this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So look out for that. Um, and then, um, yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, just use it. Use it, see if it works, go through the flow, see how easy it is, because it is really, really simple. Um, you can you can you can have an invoice sent in like you know two minutes. Nice. Um, it's a really simple tool to use. But yeah, the the getting the user feedback is uh, is crucial. That would be awesome to get more people using it and sending me feedback.
0: Where can they find it?
1: Uh, uh the marketing website is just zaprite.com um so there's it's just a simple landing page it's not too much information on it, but there's a little bit of faq and stuff on there and there's a blog com where i'm starting to add different articles and tutorials on how there's a I think there's an article there on how to create your first invoice so you can go through that before you sign up and see how easy it is um but yeah first step is just com. punch in an email address you'll get like a passwordless sign-in link and you can go from there works beautiful on mobile as well mobile friendly um yeah Go for it. Go to town. Do your worst. Send me your feedback. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Outside of Zap, right? Like what, what parting notes do you have for the freaks out there?
1: Um, I guess. Okay. So there's one thing that I think I've mentioned this before and I always try and mention it whenever I can. Um, I, well, two kind of things. One of them I mentioned before, but one, like community is, is hugely important. Um, I've learned that from you know, coming down to Austin and, and joining like Pleb Lab with, with Carr and Kyle and the boys. Um, I've made like amazing friends with those guys, but also just being around developers and coming to like the BitDevs meetups and the Austin Bitcoin Club meetups and the more events and hanging out with Bitcoiners in general. Um, it's it's hugely beneficial if you want to like learn more, but even if you're like thinking about a startup and, and trying to do something in the space, um, community is huge. So I know we got GU's just started the San Antonio meetup as well. So, you know, start meetups in your area, go to meetups if there already is meetups. um, And, and just don't, don't sleep on the community aspect of things because it's, it's huge. It's how we, it's how we build, um, it's how we build the kind of like strong um, groundwork of, of like just kind of orange pillars, just going, doing their business and trying to get everybody on board. That I think is definitely a ground up movement. Um, so yeah, the community aspect, that's one thing like outside of operate. I think is like hugely important that I've benefited from personally. Um, yeah. And then the other aspect, I think I won't touch on it too long because we did earlier in the podcast, but just if you think you've got some skill sets, then you want to get into Bitcoin, just, you know, think about how you can do it you know, start reaching out to Bitcoiners, join Bitcoin design community in Slack, um, you know, follow TFTC podcasts, like start listening to other people who've started businesses and, um, thanks for the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's kind of really it is just, uh, don't be afraid to get out there and, and think that, you know, don't think that you can't do something just cause you're not like a hardcore dev and you don't know how Bitcoin works. You don't know how lightning works. Like, I mean, a lot of us still <laughs> don't know how that stuff works. Um, but if you want to get involved, just like reach out to people, and and your skill set will slot in somewhere. Yeah,
0: there's a lot to be built, freaks. <laughs> get, in, get off the sidelines. We could use you. Um, and that's why I'm pumped that uh, that we were able to finally sit down. It's been fun getting uh getting drinks with you every once in a while here in Austin. And
1: yeah, we'll have to go for a pint again soon. Yes,
0: uh, it's time. We didn't, we weren't able to do it on St. Patty's because of uh bit devs and. Yeah, all the shit going on that day.
1: Yeah, there was a lot. That was a busy week. That was an awesome week. Oh, it, was awesome.
0: it was. I'm still like tired from. It. I'm still recovering from that week. Yeah. Now we have to roll. I'm going to Houston this week, and we got Miami next week. Are you going to be in Miami?
1: Yes. Yeah, I couldn't make it last year. I couldn't get out of Canada with all the COVID nonsense. So uh, they were kind enough to roll over my ticket to this year. So I'm pumped. I'm going to be there. Oh yeah. Not in any kind of upright capacity. I still. Uh, Still hadn't managed to get uh get sorted for any of that stuff, but um, you know I'll be there networking and hanging out with people and going after parties and just generally experiencing Bitcoin Bitcoin conference for the first time. So
0: yeah, stoked! I'm pumped. It's gonna be bigger than the World's Fair in in Live Aid combined. So prepare yourself.
1: Right on. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we will definitely see you in Miami. Hopefully, see you later this week. Thank you yeah. for coming, dude.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's been a blast. Peace and love, freaks.